The basic payment scheme has been in the news as a result of Brexit in recent months. The consequences of the transition period have yet to be thought through in many cases. Then we get the weather, now COVID-19 to contend with. Farmers are working flat out this spring. When are you going to get your applications in? Well, there's a tiny bit of good news. Uh, they have actually extended it by one month to midnight on the 15th of June for um, the basic payment scheme applications. It will take any bit of good news that we can get at the moment. More on that from Simon Fisher from the NFU in a minute. Sean's here with the agronomy kit with Open Fields Market Report. And we have details of a scheme to try and prevent the floods suffered last year in one part of the county. And how are you getting on with homeschooling? Some exciting ideas and activities are available from the Agricultural Society. Making a simple rain gauge, building a bug hotel, um, going through your kitchen cupboard to see where the food comes from, the journey from farm to fork and the sort of ingredients within there. And we'll speak to Rosie Crust a little later. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, hope you're staying safe and well. I'm Steve Orchard with the Farming Programme from my home studio where the cats have never had so much attention. They hate it. Let's have a quick look at the farming headlines this week. The financial hit to dairy farmers as a result of coronavirus crisis in April alone is £9.4 million, according to the AHDB. More than half have experienced a reduction in their milk price of between half a penny and four pence per litre. This is in the same week when over a million litres of milk have been discarded. A new camera that will detect crop disease quickly and at a significantly lower cost has been developed by the University of West Scotland. It has a linear variable filter, which in crops can highlight signs of drought stress or disease, which are difficult to detect by eye alone. There's to be a webinar later this month looking at the opportunities for British farmers to grow and export the cannabis sativa crop. It's a crop that grows particularly well in the UK, but farmers are struggling to break into the market for legislative reasons, amongst others. Navigating the legal landscape and exchanging thoughts on hemp and cannabis in general will be the focus of the Agritech webinar entitled From Farmer to Farmer. That's P-H-A-R-M-A, a teaser of things to come. On the 14th of May, attendance is free. We spoke a few weeks ago to David Hill, the main man behind the greatest online agricultural show, which takes place today. At the last count, with 800 livestock entries across 200 classes, 200 trade stands and over £9,000 raised so far for five charities. The show opens at 9 o'clock this morning on onlineagshow.co.uk. And a reminder that you have just four weeks to take action if you're looking to apply for the mid-tier countryside stewardship scheme. You need to request an application pack by the 31st of May from the Rural Payments Agency website. Now, Simon Fisher from the NFU joins us now. We have a little bit of good news regarding the basic payment scheme. But first, for those not directly involved, Simon, would you give us a little background on the scheme? What is it? What's it for? Who gets it? Uh, basic payment scheme um, is basically the uh, farm support scheme that is available and set up and run by uh, the Common Agricultural Policy, um, which we've been part of in Europe. Um, basically, it's a payment per hectare for farmers to uh, actually farm the land. You have to be a full-time farmer, um, and uh, you're obliged then to also follow some cross-compliance, basically, regulatory stuff, so... 
um, which is all tied up with different, you know, a booklet full of regulations um, that, that are there that are there in any event, but it's conditional on that. So broadly speaking, it's the farm support scheme. Okay, and this has been in the news as a result of Brexit, hasn't it, over the last few months? It has, yeah, because we're now on to, um, um, having come out of Europe, we're now into a transition period which will last for uh, about seven years at the moment. Um, BPS will gradually be phased out on that basis. And in 2024, um, the UK government's replacement for the basic payment scheme um, is going to be uh, called the Environmental Land Management Scheme, ELMS. Uh, and that will be actually payments to farmers for, for carrying out public goods, things like um, conservation, biodiversity, um, natural flood management, those sorts of items. And how is this transition period affecting farmers? Are they going to be out of pocket as a result? Um, quite possibly, because uh, the, the, we, we, we don't know the exact um, reductions in basic payment scheme payments uh, over the next seven years. Uh, we know the first year, um, but yeah, there will be um, farmers who will see their income from the support schemes declining, um, whilst they weren't necessarily being able to replace that with the new ELM schemes. So yeah, there's going to be an income gap emerging there, which, to put it bluntly, couldn't really come at a worse time in in uh, in the fortunes of farming because uh, we're also um, we're facing probably possibly trade distorting issues coming through from Brexit, um, but also we've had this really wet weather over the last eight or nine months that's uh, mucked up cash flows quite considerably. And indeed, there are some sectors of farming which are really under the cosh with uh, the COVID-19 issues that are surrounding us. It's all conspiring against at the moment, but uh, let's have this little bit of good news that we've had this week then. Yep, there is a sort of what I call good news, bad news bit this week. Um, it, because of the problems of the last few months, um, and then many farmers, most people in the county will have noticed that the farmers have been flying around flat out 24-7 for the last few weeks, um, getting uh, crops in the ground, which they couldn't actually get into last autumn or in the winter. Um, so things like spring cereals have been going in, potatoes, um, vegetables, sugar beet, that sort of thing. Um, Basically, uh, the, the, the land work at the moment has been a very, very hectic time, far more than it normally is. Um, and, and on top of that, with COVID-19, um, DEFRA governments have recognised that um, there'll be farmers in difficulties in actually getting being compliant with the deadline for the 15th of May on their BPS um, and, uh, and other agri-environment schemes. So uh, they have actually extended it by one month to midnight on the 15th of June for um, the basic payment scheme applications, what's called countryside stewardship revenue claims uh, for environmental stewardship claims and for uh, what's called woodland legacy revenue claims um, so that's quite important for, for people to notice they are up against it in terms of getting it in by the 15th of may which is about two weeks away if a farmer submits those sorts of applications after the 15th of may generally they would see a penalty for not having submitted it on time a reduction in the amount paid to them um, so uh this extension will not see them penalised on this occasion. Were you saying earlier in the week, though, about not sort of leaving it till the last minute? Well, there's some flexibility for, for farmers. It certainly will help. And I think, you know, with the NFUs, from our point of view, we've said, you know, that's to be welcome. But um, our vice president actually pointed it out fairly succinctly, though. Um, it, it, every year for the last few years, BPS has been a cause of concern in terms of getting monies out the door from um, uh, uh, the RPA into farmers' banks, uh, bank accounts. And 
Um, it's always a bit of a hard run thing, uh, and there any scope for any delay on that payment processing, which basically, if you're saying, well, we'll have these forms in a month later, um, then that does actually give us the possibility of, uh, of um, potential payment delays in December, which is the start of the payment period, 1st of December. So, so what we're saying to farmers is, please see if you can comply with the 15th of May deadline if you can. Um, that will help reduce any potential payment delays in December. Uh, and really, we want, we need prompt payments this year. It's going to be a pretty vital lifeline on most farms this year as we go forward because of the problems we've been experiencing. Absolutely. Is there anywhere that a farmer could get information online, for example, about this, Simon? Uh, yes, there is. Um, if, uh, most farmers will be aware because they uh, RPA encourage people to submit their forms by, by email. Um, there is uh, a full, the RPA um, information, Rural Payments Agency information is on um, gov.uk. Uh, if you Googled, um, at the start of the 10, I think the best thing to do is Google um, COVID-19 information for farmers, landowners and rural businesses. That should pick it up. Um, there, there are a couple of things this year around the payments, the, 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 the application process. In, in previous years, we've had drop-in centres available around the country. Um, those won't be operating this year because of COVID-19. Um, farmers will be able to post their forms. A, an awful lot of them actually put them in on email nowadays. The disadvantaged ones will be the ones who post them in. Um, uh, from a processing point of view, it actually cuts a whole month out of the RPA's processing time if it is emailed into them uh, because they've got the form to be able to deal with it electronically. Um, so... Um, email it if you can, but you can post it. There's no drop-in centres, and as I say, deadlines have been extended by a month um, without penalty. Simon Fisher from the NFU. Many thanks. Time for timely agronomy advice from Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Bit better weather for an agronomist this week, I guess. Morning, Sean. Yes, morning, Steve. Ah, what a fantastic week of weather, eh? 12 and a half millimetres of rain and cold. And those two things together are perfect for me as an agronomist. So the rain has really got down to many of those dry laying seeds. Remember, we talked about the fact that there were two crops in every field. There's the crop that's up and the crops that haven't even, the seeds that haven't even started to germinate in spring barley, spring wheat peas, beans, sugar beet, linseed. This rain has started them off. Things will look very, very different in the next seven days because we've got warming soils, a better week of weather, a little bit warmer next week, longer days in terms of daylight, and also all of the nitrogen that's been applied over the course of the last three or four weeks is now washing down and getting into those plants. So it's going to look very, very different in seven days' time. And also the fact it was a colder week means we didn't get the evaporation of that rain before it got the opportunity to soak into these fields. And you really could see a difference between Tuesday night and Wednesday night in a lot of these fields. It's also reactivated a lot of the residual herbicides which have been put on in sugar beet fields and it's noticeable those people who didn't put a residual on how much more weed emergence there is in those fields. So let's start with winter wheat then. T1 as I said last week, leaf 3 emergence triggers you for your T1 uh, fungicide program start. There's yellow rust everywhere, eye spot everywhere, stem base browning everywhere, mildew starting to appear now. But septoria should always be the number one target when it comes to any fungicide program in winter wheat. Wild oats starting to come, black grass starting to germinate, germinate since that rain. Um, and remember, you can use mesosulfuron, iodosulfuron type mixtures right up until growth stage 37 of a wheat crop if black grass comes. It's the growth stage of the black grass, two to three leaves. That's the timing for those products. But remember, you will cause crop damage. They are quite harsh on a crop, a wheat crop at this time of the year. And if it's wild, 
wild oats which are coming, then you're probably far better advised to go with something like Axial Pro or Topic to control them because those materials are far better at controlling wild oats out there in the field. And don't just assume that your crop is at growth stage 31 because it's a bit bigger than that crop in the field next door. Cut these plants open, have a look at them, dissect them, find out what the growth stage is because looks can be very deceiving when it comes to the size of a crop standing there in the field. Main nitrogen dose goes on at this timing, at the T1 timing, growth stage 31 to 32. And remember, it's your lead tiller that is guiding you because when the main stem is at growth stage 31, that's only about 20% of the crop in the field. If your lead tiller's there, it's more like 50 to 60% of the crop. Spring barley, spring wheat, spring oats, now increasing levels of predators out there in those fields. Ladybirds, lacewings, hoverflies, wasps, not to mention the swallows and the martins, which are skimming a couple of mil across the surface of those fields. So therefore, insecticides for BYD be far, far less of a good idea um, than they were two or three weeks ago when those predators weren't out there. So let IPM deal with the problem for you out there. The main nitrogen on spring barley for malting goes on just before the crop gets into tillering, but you can probably hold back on your spring wheats and other spring barleys and spring oats because they're probably only just taking in the nitrogen that you've applied to them over the last two or three weeks or when you drilled them. Pea and bean weevil, still about out there, but again, the wasps, the swallows, the martins, they're probably doing way more good than insecticides are going to, to do. We've had some rain, so these crops are going to grow away from that damage as a result of that. So just monitor them and don't spray them unless you absolutely can't avoid it and they're wiping the field out. Sugar beet, as I said, emerging well now thanks to the rain, along with the weeds. Herbicides working really, really well, reactivation of those residuals, but just be careful now with this rapid emergence and lush growth we're going to get because of the rain because it'll have taken in the nitrogen and because they're just going to grow like bilio because it's going to warm up some products are kinder than others metamitron is much kinder to an emerging crop or an emerged crop than lenocil ethafumosate femmedifam debut all of those things can be quite harsh so just bide your time speak to your advisor make sure you've got the health of the crop in mind if the weeds are starting to run away then you have to make some decisions but just bear in mind that lush growth is far 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 more likely to be damaged than existing growth and slow growth but all of those residuals are now reactivating which is good to see remember aphids are still a real big problem um, in sugar beet they were last year it could be a lot worse this year we didn't find the one nymph in four plant threshold until june last year but this year we've got much 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 more in the way of volunteer sugar beet laying about areas of fields which didn't get lifted dumps we've got volunteers in spring barleys and spring wheat which had been drilled after that sugar beet so much higher potential for early invasion watch the bbro website get out there on your hands and knees and monitor these fields you're probably more likely to find those nymphs in the sheltered areas of the field on the edges of the field but keep looking look at the bbro app and it'll tell you if they're finding them where they are being regularly monitored at the sites across the county um so what a perfect week of weather potatoes going in things are going like bilio things are going to grow like stink in this next seven days i think it's probably the best half an inch of rain i've had since september let's see what the next seven days bring us stay safe and we'll talk to you again this time next week thank you sean once again uh, if you missed making a note of sean's information the podcast of today's program will join all the previous ones at the end of the show on the website the app and from wherever you get your podcasts now if you're homeschooling at the moment 
How are you coping? It's not easy coming up with new material and ideas to keep the young ones interested and occupied. Fortunately, the Lincolnshire Agricultural Society may be able to help. We'll hear from Rosie Crust in a moment and Robert Cordwell has details of the plan to avoid future flooding in one part of the county and Kit Dickinson from Openfields here with a market update. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Nobody said that homeschooling as a consequence of coronavirus would be easy. If you're finding it difficult to maintain their interest and come up with new material, Rosie Crust from Lincolnshire Agricultural Society has some excellent ideas and activities that might help. Rosie, morning. Uh, Just give us a bit of background first, if you would, on what you do in terms of education in normal times. Yes, so the Lincolnshire Agricultural Society is um, an education charity. And normally we um, provide a year-round education programme um, that delivers unique hands-on learning experiences for young people um, and also for teachers. We do some teacher CPD and work with initial teacher trainers. So last year we welcomed um, 13,000 young people and teachers to the showground um, for our education programme. So that's normally what we do. We organise different educational events, um, teacher training, schools programmes, etc. And that's all focusing on agricultural, rural matters, country matters and so on? Yeah, so it's all basically to um, promote and educate about food farming um, and the countryside. Excellent. So now we don't find ourselves in normal times by any stretch of the imagination. So how are you able to help at the moment with homeschooling? Um, So what we've decided to do, we've created some educational home learning activities um, to keep the children sort of engaged during this difficult time. And also we wanted to provide a bit of light relief um, for parents and for schools. So all of the activities are based around the topic of food farming in the countryside and the natural environment. Um, so I've created lots of different activities linked to the national curriculum. And then we have um, got our own hashtag, so hashtag armchair agriculture. OK, so give me some examples of what kind of activities are available. Yes, yeah, so um, some, of the, um, some of the activities available, we've got um, making a simple rain gauge, building a bug hotel, um, going through your kitchen cupboard to see where the food comes from, the journey from farm to fork and the sort of ingredients within there. We've got some planting sunflower seeds, making um, paper plant pots recyclable, making biodegradable greenhouses. So lots of different things all linked to sort of food farming and then the natural environment. Of course, it's National Gardening Week as well this week. Are there uh, outdoor activities in the back garden? Yeah, yeah. So it's, as it's, um, we wanted to link in with National Gardening Week. So, um, um, so we do the activities, but then we also each week have a small um, little project for the children to do. And this week it's all to do with Let's Get Growing. So we linked it into the um, Gardening Week. And you can download information packs and things like that, can't you, from the website? Yes, if you um, go on to the Lincolnshire Showground website, which is www.lincolnshireshowground.co.uk, the homepage is the Home Learning Activities. And if you click onto that link, then all of the activities are downloadable. We're running competitions, there's um, education blogs, there's um, some recipes and things, but all the information is on there. And is there a cost to this? No, all the resources are completely free. And I've sort of on purpose done the activities where they're sort of low cost um, for families to get involved with as well. So they're not going to go out spending fortunes getting stuff in for the children to do the activities then? No, mostly, most of the activities, um, they should, you know, have 
sort of the things within the house or you know within, within the garden just going on hunts and things so um no, no cost for the families at all and does this continue for the foreseeable or is there a, a time limit to it no at the moment we um we're just updating each week and releasing new activities and new activities so um there's so much food farming and the countryside has so many different learning areas attached to it so we will keep going for the foreseeable thank you very much rosie just give me that website address if you would so it's www.lincolnshireshowground.co.uk um, with the armchair agriculture um, if you want to tag us on social media so we're on twitter we're on facebook and tag us share all your work and activities and action using the hashtag armchair agriculture on social media Brilliant. Thanks, Rosie. That's Rosie Crust, Education Development Manager for Lincolnshire Agricultural Society. Now, as we know, much of the county suffered dreadfully with the floods last year and the early part of this. Spilsby and Wainfleet particularly so. The river burst, 75 homes and businesses were flooded, as well as 2,000 acres of agricultural land. And in response to those dreadful days has come the Steeping Catchment Action Plan to try and avoid a repeat of the tragedy and loss suffered by so many. Chair of the Steering Group, Robert Cordwell, is here to tell us more. So, Robert, what's the plan? Right, the plan is to uh, improve conveyance down the river itself, um, but also uh, we're looking at the whole catchment. So um, it's slowing the flow... In the top areas of the catchment, it's about um, making sure that uh, the water, when it gets to uh, the lower parts of the catchment, uh, can get uh, through the river and conveyed out to sea, uh, but also about strengthening some of the banks uh, where the breaches were to make sure uh, that that occurrence doesn't happen again. How is this going to be funded, Robert? Uh, some of it will be local funding, and um, we've had commitments from Lincolnshire County Council, East Lindsay District Council, uh, and also from the uh, Regional Flooding Postal Committee. So uh, that certainly helps uh, enormously uh, to do that. Also, the Lindsay Marsh Internal Drainage Board uh, have made a considerable commitment to this, uh, and they will be a key player. They've been a key player in terms of uh, creating and uh, working on the plan, uh, and they will be a key player going forward in terms of delivery as well. Is there money coming from central government for this? Uh, Yes, there will be some money coming from central government. Obviously, at this time, it's very difficult to know uh, how much of that is is going to be because... Uh, of the COVID-19 situation. What kind of timescale are we looking at? Uh, Well, we would hope to uh, start works. uh, Certainly this summer we shall be doing some works. Works have been continuing really right uh, after the breach itself. There's been uh, continuing works to make sure that the banks were in good condition. Uh, We will be continuing to make sure that that conveyance uh, is as good as possible. Uh, but the big capital works, uh, I, I think we're probably looking over the next um, two or three years. Um, but obviously, COVID-19 is having an effect uh, and is making it more difficult to do some of these works, but not stopping it entirely. You mentioned on the, the plan flood storage. What do you mean by that? We'll be looking to 
take opportunities to store water. Because obviously the other side of the coin is that um, uh, we're also getting with climate change very dry conditions uh, and many farmers are looking for opportunities to irrigate more crops uh, and it may be an opportunity that we could actually store some of the water rather than just let it go out to sea. Thanks for that and good luck Robert Cordwell, Chair of the Steering Committee for the Steeping Catchment Action Plan. Apologies for the poor quality of the phone line. And there's things there, I guess, to learn if you're in an area... Uh, that has been suffering with flooding over recent months, then there could be a way forward. Time for our weekly look at the markets and prices. Good morning, Kit Dickinson from Openfield. Well, good morning, Steve. The wheat market has traded in the negative for most of this week due to the rain. Of course, a few millimetres of rain hasn't made a harvest, but it has done simply one thing. It has brought more sellers to the market. Buyers, on the other hand, are thinking the opposite way and for now are sitting back. The two combined is the perfect story for a lower market. Also drifting and not immune to the short-term hurdle is old crop. Ex-farm prices drift as more wheat comes to the market with consumers, in theory, covered for May, keeping June-July requirements close to their chest. May is a big forward-selling month, so I personally wouldn't be surprised if we get more consumer interest for June-July, but for now, we seem well covered for all months. Good news on all seed rape this week. Maize and soybeans are slightly up. On the back of this, rapeseed also with the motif finishing in the green across the board. Fund positioning on maize particularly is helping the short on seabot, so a large volume seems to be reluctant to push further down the market. US weekly export numbers have been reported and, as expected, those numbers have gone up from a week ago. Moving on to feed barley. Feed barley remains devoid of our friends too. Old crop bids are hard to find and most vessels that have been sold have now gone and the EU harvest that could begin in Spain in around six weeks time is the next big mover. I did hear a couple of short markets earlier on this week so not com- not a complete write-off but certainly we need some buying activity to boost values. The spreads between wheat and barley are still around 30 to 35 pounds. In theory being the difference between import parity on wheat, assuming that they will need to pay enough to keep wheat from leaving the country and the cost of importing is more, and export parity on barley, assuming that we will have more than enough, meaning we will be cheap enough to export our surplus, which could happen this year on the back of a rather large crop. Most farmers are sitting back much happier now after the rain this week, knowing that most of the seed in the ground is chitted, if not up in rows. We will have to see how big this spring barley crop is going to be, given the fact that the area that was originally planted has increased. So moving on to prices this week, feed wheat for May, 146 to 148, a rise into August at 152 to 154, November, 157 to 159, February, 161 to 163, and May 21, 164 to 166. Milling premiums are currently £25. Oilseed rape, as I said, slightly up this week, but nothing too exciting about values still, with May at 300 to 302, new crop August 302 to 304, and November 312 to 314. There are very limited values going forward. Feed barley for May is 119 to 121. For August, 116 to 118, purely down to harvest pressure on a large crop. November, 121 to 123. 
February 124 to 126, and May 127 to 129. And it is the same as last week. There are no malting premiums currently available. Feed bean prices have come out now, but only for new crop. So September straight off the combine, 164 to 166. Moving forward with a slight carry to November at 170 to 172. At the moment, human consumption premiums are uncertain, so please do get in contact with your Openfield Farm Business Manager for more details. Kit Dickinson from Openfield, keeping us up to date with the markets, back same time next week. Thanks, Kit. The Farming Programme, five-day forecast. And so to the weather. A few showers are likely through the middle of the day today, dying out by tea time and indeed very little rain for the rest of the week. Wind from the east, but quite calm. Highs around 13 Celsius and down to around 7 Celsius overnight. Pressure is building from now to the middle of the week, bringing dry, settled weather with some sunshine. The wind will stay easterly for most of the week. Mostly calm, but a moderate breeze on Tuesday. A shower or two is possible on Monday, but then that's pretty much it for the rest of the week. Daytime Time highs for the early part of the week will be around 10 to 12 Celsius. Warming up later in the week with highs on Thursday and Friday in the upper teens. Nighttime lows drop to 1 or 2 Celsius on Wednesday and Thursday nights and pressures dropping back to normal by the end of the week. Well, that's it for this week. Next week on the Farming Programme, we'll be looking at the ins and outs of being vertical rather than horizontal. In farming, that is. And if you've got any thoughts, ideas or opinions on the subject, do please get in touch via the website or the app or tweet me at Farming Show. In the meantime, I'm Steve Orchard. Stay safe, stay positive and have a good farming week.